long time, like way too long. I was up at like two in the morning and whew, I was trying to go back to sleep, but how my, my mind was just running, not out of a state of, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say not out of a state of worry. I think when my wheels spin so much as an entrepreneur, because of all the different things that I have going on and you guys are the same, um, which is why we hang out. So we're in cahoots. It's why we're buddies, um, is this knowing that there's an element of concern. There's an element of focus. I always have to like recenter, 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 like fixing my eyes on Jesus, right? Fixing my eyes on Jesus, focusing on him instead of the concern. But simultaneous to that, there is work that has to be done. All right. Let's just start there. There is work that has to be done. This morning I was in Samuel again and, uh, Going through that, it's this time frame where Samuel has anointed Saul as king, okay? And basically, the only reason that this happened, this was before Israel at this point had never had a king. Lord is king. And they basically were like, we can't, we can't work like this anymore. We can't have you so far away. We need this, this person. We need this tangibility. All these other people have false idols. We need, we need a king, and God is like, that's not my heart for you. That's not my intention for you. Someone, let it be someone that I anoint instead of you falsely creating it. So at least they pleaded with God for God to send someone. Good, good methodology for all of us to ask God for the thing instead of positioning the thing in our own flesh and desire and will. Make sure it's in his will and be patient associated to said ask. And we're going to talk about that today. Patience connected to the manna and what the bread of life actually is and who the bread of life actually is versus how it's being presented to us on a daily basis. And so speaking to work and speaking to the fact that there are things that we get to do. You know, you hear people say, I have to go to work, right? I get to go to work. Everything is perspective shift. After Saul was anointed king, Okay, he had already been anointed king. I love one of the first experiences of when the people needed him. It says this. It says they were talking about messengers and a city that was in the zone, the territory that was under going to be under attack and essentially being brought into slavery underneath the Ammonites. And their king was going to gouge out every right eye of that particular community, which he had already done with thousands of others. And they said, whoa, 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 before you gouge out our eyes and make us slaves, let us send out an opportunity uh, for other people to come and potentially help us. Before this happens, they sent out messengers, give us seven days to send messengers throughout Israel. So we're going to come back to that part. But what I want to say is what happened next when Saul was in, in ready, it was time for him to be readied to be a king. It says when the messengers came to where Saul was and told the people about the plight, everyone broke into tears. Saul was there, but he wasn't receiving this information. Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen. And when he returned to town, he asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the message and all the other things. Okay. The king was plowing a field. Come on, somebody. Maybe you're the CEO. Maybe you're the lead pastor. Maybe you're the ministry leader. Maybe you're the spouse, the mom, whatever your role, you have ordained work to do that actually keeps you on track and in alignment with where Christ has you. You know, when you're alone plowing some field that Christ is talking to you, you know, when you're working out next to the ocean, getting your run on, whatever that is, getting your pedal on. This is a time that the Lord can shape you and sharpen you. You can come back into center. Even when Jesus was removed from the people, removed from his disciples, and you might think that he was just like, ah, taking a nap. No, he was fasting. He was preparing. He was on his knees. He was praying. He was seeking God's wisdom. 
that's connected to work. There are works, good works that have been predestined for you before you existed. And here we are complaining. We complain about our works. We complain about, oh, I gotta go today. Same old, same old. What if that's not the case? What if you repositioned your heart posture towards the things that you do on a consistent basis, even the things that feel like work, and taking them as a sign and an opportunity to become? So that when you go back into said scenarios where people are weeping and crying, you have fresh perspective, right? This is what Saul was able to do. And right from that place, it says that the Holy Spirit descended on him. And when he descended on him, it actually brought him to a place of anger. So we can talk about this. Okay. Does anger evoke negativity in your mind because of hostility? Maybe out of a place of fear or judgment, maybe out of a place of abuse. I totally understand that all of those things could be possible And yet at the same time, it's this knowing in the space and the character of Christ, there was many times that he became angry, but anger is also what evokes someone to change. Anger is also what evokes someone to uh, create a barricade so that people can't get in to said abuse situation anymore. I think about sex trafficking, right? Mm, That infuriates me. Think about homelessness. I think about the poverty mentality that's been put on the church in so many ways. So many ways. And it makes me so mad because it's inhibiting us. When the enemy gets his hands on anything, I get pissed. I'm so mad. And so I wonder for you, have you put anger to the side because you think it's not godly? Because there's elements of anger that are so aligned to the Lord when it's for him, by him, through him, that we're activated to pursue. So Saul in this moment obviously was pursuing, saving his brothers and sisters, saving the chosen people of Israel and going against this particular other king and kills them and does all that. Old Testament has a lot of slaying happening. Here we are now with the slaying of the spirit happening towards the enemy, right? I had this awesome guy, Austin Blanchville. I think I talked about him on Tuesday too, on my podcast on Monday. And uh, he said that his dad, when he was little, and when he was on the pitcher's mound doing baseball, that was like his his sport, uh, he would tell him, he would actually wrote ATDS on on his hand one day. ATDS. And he's like, Dad, what's that? He's like, when you're on that pitcher's mound. I just want you to remember your name. Ooh, this is a good father. I just want you to remember your name. God wants you to remember your name. Remember that you are called and anointed and mighty. ATDS stands for Austin, the demon slayer. And so he said, I want you to just take that ball. I want you to rip him a new one. I want you to know that like your throw is just coming after the demon and slay it. And I'm like, come on, Lord, how prophetic, because it's literally what his son now does outside of baseball, but in the marketplace, in social media world, social media world. It's like, it's another ulterior universe, isn't it? It's pretty nuts. So I wanted to talk about anger. I wanted to talk about work. I wanted to talk next about manna. I told you I was going to circle back to that. And I had this like revelation this morning associated to John. I'm in John 6, 43 through 71 this morning, in addition to Samuel. Remember, I'm going through the Bible in a year, so I'm not like, I'm not jumping. I'm jumping, but with intentionality. And I haven't talked a ton about the New Testament lately because I've been so enthralled with how applicable understanding God is in in the Old Testament and how applicable it is to the ways of the world and that this day and age that's so crazy and so chaotic from our standpoint is not news to God. Like it's not shocking to him. He's not, he's not surprised when some new media thing comes up. He's not surprised when the new politician gets into office. He's not surprised by the educational system that seemingly is failing. He's not surprised. He's like, yeah, you're not relying on me. 
You're taking me out of all situations. You're creating false doctrine on what feels good to you, what feels right right now. And it's inhibiting his will to be done on earth. So we're seeing destruction in darkness. All right. This is just true. However, you are the light of the world. You exist for such a time as this. He didn't accidentally put you here. And so the cravings that you have when aligned to Christ are critical for you to take note of, to seek, to actually work towards, because no one else has your calling. Now, I believe in the fact that all of our callings are the same. I don't want people to go on this like, what's my calling at? And some people are monetizing off of it, which isn't a bad thing. I want people to recognize that they are called and that they have a purpose in this world. Your purpose has to be defined. But our calling is all the same because our calling is a command. Ooh, come on, someone. Our calling is a command. When Jesus calls you and you choose not to pick up, it's going to go to voicemail. I've been having these phone issues lately. It's driving me bonkers. Finally, we figured it out yesterday. I had the toggle switch on to like no incoming calls of sources I didn't know. A lot of people call me <laughs> that I don't have their phone number. I don't know who they are. And so it just kept going to voicemail. I'm like, I didn't even get it. Like it's going right to voicemail. God's trying to get to you and you have something toggled on by the enemy's tactic that is inhibiting you from direct contact. Woo. This good analogy. And you think, I can't hear from God. You're placing the blame on you. And because he's not speaking to you, you're going about your merry way. Something must be wrong with me. I must be out of alignment. Maybe I'm not operating in my calling. Are you trying to make disciples of nations? Is, is that nation in your home? Is that nation down the street? Is that nation in the grocery store? Is that nation in the expansion of global outreach? Is it through social media? Is it at your workplace? Is it insert your, your realm of influence? We are all influencers. Either you're influencing for Christ or you're influencing for darkness. That's a choice on you, but you've got to fix your calling card. You have to fix your dial. You have to fix this source and put him first and make sure he has direct access to you. So when it comes to manna, specifically in John, he's talking about how he is the bread of life, right? And they're like confused. Like, how are we going to eat a man, his flesh? I, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. And this can get confusing. This can get really confusing for children, for people, and, and we're all children, right? But people who are new to Christianity and new to Jesus, and they're like, I, don't, I really don't get it. There's so much about communion that is so sacred and so holy. And God was literally giving them in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, manna, the bread of life, I'm coming. I'm coming, right? Every single day, a reminder, I am present. I am here. I am your provision. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Don't take more than you need. I'm going to give you exactly what you need every single day. This is where we get it wrong. Because in that season, we know that they craved more. We know that they let greed get the best of them and maggots came into their bread. We know that the manna was just not enough. They got tired of the manna. They wanted something new. They wanted quail like the olden days in slavery. What are you doing right now in your own life? This happened. This revelation happened for me yesterday. Was that yesterday? Gosh, my days blend together. Yes. Yesterday I was on the beach dancing for my workout and just walking. And the Lord said, you prayed for this season, remember? This is the manna. This is the promise. This is my promise. You're walking in your promise. And yet we can get so distracted and so disheartened and so defeated. And we get hungry for the wrong things. We say the manna is not enough. Oh, man. 
When I look back on where I was and the darkness of those seasons and days and the depression that overwhelmed me and the suicidal ideation and, oh man, the battle, the battle that it was to just breathe. I was so unhealthy. I was so unsatisfied. I was so unfulfilled. I was just this chasm. I was just this robot. People called us Barbie and Ken and I always like rejected it, but now I know why. <laughs> and I hate it more now because in that time when people would do it, we would laugh and joke and think it was funny. And really it was just how void am I? She's made out of plastic. Nothing about her is real. And I don't know if my friends or family were like looking at it from that perspective, but I sure do now. Like, man, there was actually some validity to that. So I shouldn't get so mad about it. I should be like, well, they called it out. I should have taken it as an opportunity to shift, to change, to become real. But I didn't. And so yesterday in that time when God was telling me onward, I was realizing that it wasn't just a message for me. It's a message for all of us. Onward, we must keep pursuing God. We must keep going forth on this mission. We must await the manna for tomorrow in expectancy that it is and will be enough. It always has been. Always. I've never not had enough. And I say this from a place of like complete understanding that people's circumstances are drastically different than mine. AC slash heated garage. I have this home over my head. I've got blood pumping through my veins that is healthy, I think. I don't go to the doctor very often. I should probably do that. But I, I get the circumstances are different. But it doesn't mean that the manna is different because our provider is the same. Our Abba is the same. The love in which you receive is the same as the love in which I receive. The voice that I hear is the same voice that you have access to. The Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me, that empowers me to operate day in and day out is the same Holy Spirit that you can possess if you don't already. If you're a Christian and you think, gosh, I don't know. I don't know the Holy Spirit. Man, there's a lot of Barbie and Ken Christians. <laughs> I heard it said this morning, there's a lot of Christian atheists. Man, hold that for a minute while I take a drink. There's a lot of Christian atheists. What does that mean to you? Where in your life are you not believing God? Where in your circumstances are you not believing God? We don't get to be lukewarm Christians. That's not how we get to heaven. And God literally says that there's going to be a multitude of people who believe in him. And it is harder for a camel to get through the needle head, the head of a needle, the hole, the eye of the needle, than it is for us to get into heaven. Narrow is the pathway. And in order to be narrow, in order to get through a narrow place, we have to be fixed. We have to understand. I'm imagining myself, you know, when you like are driving and there's like two big Mack trucks and you're like, Ooh! there's like a bit of hesitation. There's a bit of fear. Like, am I going to fit? Am I going to get through? And you kind of speed up to make sure that you get in. Oh gosh. Is that how it's going to be? Are we going to feel really confident and be like, Never has in the history of the world someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who loves Jesus, who have lived a righteous life, who is activated by his purpose and his will, never have they not gotten in. Never has the car not gotten past the two Mack trucks. Right? I don't know. But God is saying he's going to turn people away. He's going to turn people away. Go away from me. I never knew you. Go away from me. You complained about your manna every single day. Come on, someone. It says time and time again in the Bible that we complain. He talked to his disciples about complaining. We're all a bunch of complainers. 
Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father only. I, who was sent from God, have seen them. But I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Come on. They all died. Because they didn't actually look to the provider. They were looking to the provision. This is happening time and time again. We're walking around like, I don't see the blessing. I don't see the fruit. I, I don't know what's going on, but he's surely not looking out for me. Friend, brother, sister, you are in process and God says onward. The only way to reap a harvest is to keep toiling the soil. Keep planting the seeds for the season after that. You will reap what you sow. And when you sow things, there's a season where what was in your hand that you were so grateful for, right? I'm speaking to myself right now. I remember, I remember receiving seed from heaven. Man, after that dark, dry season of my life when I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord, I just sat before him, totally empty-handed. I had, well, I say I have nothing. I did have a home. I did have a husband. I did have babies. But man, I felt completely void. I felt like I had nothing because the things that I had seen as my provision were wasted resources. They were wasted things that were of the world and not of God. Anything not of God is not eternal and therefore it can crumble. We put our worth, we put our identity, we put our intentions, we put our time, we put everything that we have into these things that are false idols. And then I was in that season, I had no false idol before me except for God. He started to give me seeds and I had no idea what to do with them. So when you talk about calling and you talk about purpose and you're in a place where you're like, I don't really know what it is that I'm supposed to do with it. Let me just tell you, he's going to reveal it to you. You might not have sat long enough at his feet to receive all the puzzle pieces. He might not have given you the plenty that you need to start something that is abundant. You might be in a season where he's just like, sit with me, daughter, sit with me, son, stay here. You're in a dry season. I understand, but there is a living water that's going to run through the earth of your life. It's going to run through the home of your heart. It's going to birth something beautiful that no one has yet seen because I've never created one like you. Oh man, Mother Teresa calls it, you are unrepeatable. You are unrepeatable. What God is going to do in your life is not what he did in mine. But I can give you what it looked like when I sat before the Lord waiting on the seed, waiting on the sustenance, waiting on the manna. Man, and day by day, I had nothing but the bread of life to feed off of. Nothing. Nothing. The love I was receiving from my husband was barren because of brokenness. I didn't even love myself, so there was nothing I could do from an ego or pride element at all. I didn't feel beautiful. I surely didn't feel worthy. The only thing, even my baby's laughter, I'm like, man, I'm not a good enough mom. I don't even deserve this. All I had was the breath of life. Come on, Emily. Barren seasons is where he wants to refine me. Absolutely. And this is the thing about harvesting. This is the thing about seasonal experiences with God. I don't ever, I have never, let's put it that way, yet. It's been seven years since that season. I have never yet been in a place of barrenness like I was then. Like Hannah, who birthed Samuel the prophet, 
who ended up anointing King Saul, who led generations of revival and healing and maintenance and protection through God's anointing. Like Hannah, I was never barren again. She had children upon children, but there was this time that when she went from giving Samuel to Eli because she had consecrated this baby to God. After she was finished nursing him, she dropped him off in the sanctuary and she only got to see him maybe once a year. And she would bring him this little coat every year. Could you imagine releasing your baby? Oh my goodness, no. I know mamas who do this out of bravery when they birth a child and they put that child up for adoption and they're doing it out of place of love and protection because they don't feel equipped but I know that God wouldn't give them that child if there wasn't somebody to take care of them to raise them up Eli raised Samuel he taught him how to learn and hear from God he taught him how to sit at Jesus' feet I don't know if Hannah was even going to be capable of doing that but the barrenness she felt the brokenness that she felt And then the brokenness, she felt that barrenness again when she gave that child away. God blessed her with more. But even a baby takes time to grow. Right? And I feel like, again, I'm in this. I know that, not really, but not an actual baby. A business baby. A vision baby. A ministry baby. That's in the oven. And I got to wait on it. And there's patience connected to that. There's provision connected to that. Every single time the baby kicks, every single time a great thing happens in my business, a new person comes in to see the mission and partner with us. There are seasons and there are situations where it feels like the oven's turned off. I'm like, I think my dough's never gonna rise. I'm looking in the oven. Are you sure this is what the ingredients were? I'm terrible at cooking, at baking specifically. I love it, but I'm terrible at it. I can never get the ingredients right, even though there's instructions. God knows this about me. So that's why I'm super creative. He allows me to just like play and throw spaghetti on walls. And like, we're creative chefs, him and I. But I use this analogy because it's connected to the bread of life and it's connected to the manna. And you are having a bun in the oven. You're pregnant. We've talked about maternity and pregnancy so much and it's Mother's Day week, so why not? It makes total sense. But I'm complaining. Are you complaining about the season you prayed for that you're sitting in right now? I promise you, you open your eyes, there's provision. I know some of the people on here right now and there are things that you have been praying for that are happening and you still are questioning God. Come on. You're still questioning God and you're literally living in the promise. Jesus himself, the bread of life, was with these people and they were complaining. He is with you. Holy Spirit is with you. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, people believe that there's like two, I can't even think of which denomination, they believe that there has to be two baptisms. Baptism by water and baptism by fire, which is baptism by the Holy Spirit. That isn't the case of what happened with Jesus, so it's all in one. If you have repented, if you have given your heart to Christ, if you have come in to unity with Jesus, your lover, your maker, Holy Spirit is with you. Now, there's a variable here, because a lot of times you'll hear lukewarm Christians who have a difficulty operating in the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. Remember, at Pentecost, Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, it says this a lot, Holy Spirit descended on Samuel. I said that at the beginning. And then Holy Spirit left. And then Holy Spirit descended on Saul. And then Holy Spirit left. That's not the case. The new covenant, the new understanding, is that when Jesus died on the cross, he was coming back as Spirit, to equip us to do far greater things than he has done. And I believe no different than the disciples. And this happened obviously with Judas prior to this, that we are becoming lukewarm because we are not seeking Christ. We're seeking and praising only the manna, the thing that is being put in our hands. This 
is what we're If I only sat in that season of barrenness receiving seeds and thanked the seeds, that's not going to do anything for me. Because a seed without an intention, a seed without a calling, a seed without a purpose, a seed without a provider is just a seed. It's not going to do anything. He had to show me what to do. He had to teach me where to go. He had to teach me what soil to plant, how to do it, how deep does it go, how much water does it need, what season do I put it in, what sunlight does it need. Every element of your business, of your life, of your marriage has a plan. It is written. It's living and alive for you to understand what do I do next? What do I do next? The Holy Spirit will prompt you in those places. He'll literally reveal the word to you that is so right on time for you. You and you alone. That's why you have to get the seed for yourself. I can't pass you the seed as much as I want to disciple people. And I do. I go and make disciples of nations every day. It's my heartbeat. It's a part of my why. It's what ignites me to say yes to things like this that seem crazy and make no sense. However, my discipling is simply guiding. Even Jesus himself, who was the bread of life, was like, you can't even come to me until my God prompts you to come to me. He, my father, will draw you near to me. This is so beautiful. The Trinity, it's not one or the other. It's all together. And so when you become lukewarm, if you feel like you can't hear from Christ, if you feel like you're in a season where nothing is making sense, I want you to find clarity in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. I want you to go. I want you to get alone with God. You are so much smarter than you think. Actually, he is so much smarter than you think. And your wisdom well will be filled from him. He's going to give you that element of enlightenment. Golly, there's a whole enlightenment movement, right? Spirituality is all enlightenment. You cannot have light without the light of the world. So there is no enlightenment without Christ. There's no spirituality without the spirit. Are are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? This is truth. It says Jesus was aware that his disciples were nothing is hidden from God. He knows that you feel lukewarm, but he also knows that you're positioning the manna as the thing that you need versus the provider of the manna. He knows you're complaining. And he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend again to heaven? He's talking about to them that he's the bread of life. He said, is this what offends you? Because I'm about to go to heaven. And the spirit alone is what gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. So even as I was mentioning that Saul, the king, was out working the fields, the oxen, he was in that space. It, his work there was great. It was a season, a time, a space for God to talk to him, for him to get strong, for him to endure, for him to understand the toils and the labors of the people in his community. We've got to get dirty sometimes, people. We got to get our hands dirty. We got to be in the places we don't want to be in the seasons that we don't want to be there because he's teaching us, he's equipping us, he's empowering us to have tools and resources that we're going to need when we're in the temple. We're on the platform. When we're writing the book, when we're building the business, I could not be an effective leader if I didn't have a lot of leadership learning, whether as a team member or a team leader. It wasn't until Saul got out of the field that the spirit took over. So understand that if human effort accomplishes nothing, And the very words I, Jesus has spoken to you, are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. Again, Christian atheists, his disciples, they didn't call themselves Christians at the time. That wasn't really a term at all at that point. They were Jesus followers, disciples, and atheists at the same time. 
because of their lack of belief. And we know it is by faith, not works, that we are saved. Faith is what saves us. Faith is what propels us into today. Faith is what gives us our action, our momentum, our energy, our belief, our joy, our love, our kindness, our peace. It's faith in God. We are reprioritizing every single day God and we're putting him at the bottom of the list. I'll get to that when I get to that. I'll pray for that later. You know a simple practice that I do? So when someone says, hey, can you pray for me? I stop everything I'm doing and I pray right then. And I don't just say, yeah, sure, and not pray. I send them a voice memo. I send them a voice memo in that moment. Or we're, we're talking and we're at lunch. Yeah, will you just pray for me in that situation? Yeah, let's do it right now. We don't have time to waste. The enemy is taking territory every single day. We have to cast him out by our light, by our truth, by the name of Jesus. Come on, someone. This is real. The one final thing that I want to say, and it's connected to that lukewarm Christian, that Christian atheist, the doubters, the Israelites who never made it to the promised land. The one who will not get into heaven. Come on. Don't let that be you. Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. The devil, demon possession, which we've talked about, here before, or demon oppression has no place in the kingdom. It's why he casts them out of heaven. If there are areas of your life that are nasty, destructive, hidden in the dark, a secret, your shame is over top of them and it is controlling you. You have to put it in the light. Imagine if Judas had come to Jesus and said, Jesus, forgive me. For even in my thoughts, I've sinned against you. I feel like I'm lacking in provision right now. I feel like the manna, you being the bread of God, I feel like it's not enough. And my eyes and my mind are being overtaken by this controlling system. For some reason, Lord, for some reason, Jesus, I'm thinking that money is going to fix my problems. Money is going to fill this chasm that I have. If I had these coins that they're promising me, then I would, I would have it all, right? Oh, man, what a teachable moment that he could have had with Jesus himself. Instead, we know that he committed to that depression led him to that place of darkness. We know that he didn't win. We know that he was not in favor. Favor follows obedience. And obedience is not hiding. It's coming into the light. I got nothing, Lord. My mind is focused on all the manna that is external and will never come with me to heaven. I want eternal manna. I want the eternal bread of life. By you and through you, I will survive. I will survive. <laughs> Truly. And I know that out of my own state of repentance, my own bringing my dirty laundry out and airing it. And now it's in a book, so you can get it and you can learn all about those secrets and those places because I knew regardless if anybody ever read it, that if it was sealed and outside of me, there could never be an enemy tactic to make me believe the lie that I had already combated with the truth. This is why journaling is so powerful. It's why affirmations and writing them down is so powerful. It's why revealing to a mentor, a safe mentor, the things that you're walking through, it cuts, it cuts the lie in half. It takes away the power from the enemy. It unplugs their cord from you, from your soul. Judas could have saved his own life if he submitted to God.
if he trusted and he wasn't a Christian atheist. Man, that phraseology kind of reminds me of spiritual adultery. It's all the same. We're all cheating on God in some way, shape, or form. And all he's saying, he's like, it's not good for you. That's going to kill you. That's going to give you tumors. That's going to destroy your marriage. That's going to destroy your business. Oh, that's going to destroy your best friend. Ah, that's going to kill your baby. And we do it anyway. Like Judas. Don't be like Judas. Don't be like Judas. And I'm going to take my own medicine today. Tamara, Lee, Andres, stop complaining. Live in the promise. Live in the provision of today. Tomorrow has anxieties of its own. God loves you. He sees you. He wants you. He wants to feed you. Oh man, let's pray. God, we just thank you that you are the bread of life, that your word is true, that your word is eternal. God, that you have given us sustenance day in and day out. God, that even in our driest season, we still have breath. So we still have you, Yahweh. Mm. God, you're a compassionate father. You don't even see our sin when you look at us because you've already sent your son to cast it as far as out into the sea as it could possibly go. As far as the east is from the west, that is eternity, Lord. You love us. You are filled with mercy. You pour grace out on top of us, Lord. You give us your power and your authority and your anointing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single day, God, we dwell with you. We sit at your feet. We submit our ideas to you, God. We submit our seat of confusion. We submit our fleshly desires. Lord, we give it all to you. We give it to you. We walk in our your resurrection power. We leave the past behind us. We press on towards the prize. Onward we fight. Onward we go. Onward we invite brothers and sisters into the kingdom alongside us. God, I don't want to go alone. And I know that I won't. God, we thank you for the anointing of pastors and prophets and prayer warriors, intercessors. God, we thank you for the teachers and the evangelists. We thank you, Lord, for their anointing. We thank you for the apostles. Lord, we thank you for their vision. We thank you that we can come under a covering of people who are trusted mentors and advisors. God, will you reveal those people to my brothers and sisters so they know that they don't have to be alone, so they know that there are teachers that you've sent, just like you are the ultimate teacher, and they can hear from you. They have to sharpen them. And yet at the exact same time, you've brought safe havens into their space as mighty resources, as mighty conduits of teaching, of training, of equipping us, Lord. Mm. We thank you where we are right here in this day, in this moment. We thank you that you are more than enough. We thank you that we have everything we need at our fingertips, God. God, if you love the birds and you love and feed the birds and you dress the lilies in the field, God, you will clothe us with dignity and strength. And we will laugh without fear of the future, God. We thank you for the entrepreneurs who are coming to life right now that are in the season of receiving their seed. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are still blessing people. Thank you that you are still bringing new ideas to people. Thank you that you are creating fresh fresh harvest for people. Thank you that there are brothers and sisters who are harvesting now because of the reaping and sowing they've done in the fields God, they've worked the fields and I thank you for their work. I thank you for their tireless effort. I thank you for their their vision. I thank you for their truth. I thank you that they share the hard, laborious experiences with us, that they don't keep that behind a curtain, Lord. I thank you that there is strategy and solutions that we can align ourselves with. God, that are biblically rooted, that are biblically sound. God, rise up these leaders in the marketplace. Rise up these founders that create safe havens for other entrepreneurs and people who are walking this life out. Oh man, God, I just feel the doors opening. I see these doors opening. I see your children flooding into these places. 
these safe houses, Lord. Oh, man. We can't do it without you, Lord. You are our firm foundation. I thank you for the breaking. I thank you for the renewing. I thank you for the season of isolation and darkness that I was sitting in, God, that you never left me alone, that you were the light. This little light of mine. You ignited it, Lord, and I thank you for that. I thank you that the closer we come to you, the brighter we are. We are city on the hill. Mm. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Mm. Oh, in Jesus' mighty name. God, I love you guys so much. Seed without soil to be planted is nothing to grow in. Yeah, it has nothing to grow in. You can learn to bake. Thanks, Kelly. Oh, man. I love you guys. I so appreciate you. Look a sunrise and you will see his goodness. Yes, ma'am. That's what I did yesterday. Don't wonder where your purpose is. It's here for you. Though I love wonder. I love godly wonder. All right, y'all. I'm going to pop out. My little girl just came in. She looks so cute in her little tie-dye. You want to come say hi to my friends? No, not this morning. Are you sure? All right. Love you guys so much. Chat soon. Remember, Pedal and Preach is on Fit and Faith Podcast. Drops every Thursday, so a new one from other weeks is out today. And we have um, Founder Collective Podcast that is now syndicated on our radio. And the Founder Con, where you can see and actually ride with me. I have some fun news about that. I'm not sharing yet. Uh, is happening in Raleigh, North Carolina, November 10th and 11th. It's going to be epic. We're actually going to maybe ride. So I'm not going to give you the details. It's going to be epic. Um, anyway, I love you. Get your tickets now. Early bird tickets are available. I don't want anyone not to be a part of it. So we have a huge virtual event that's going to be taking place, which we're going to be announcing all the details for that. If you can't fly or get hotels or any of that for any either financial reason or you have commitments at home that you can't leave, I have opportunities for you to make a stage in your hometown, maybe even in your home. Um, and so we're going to be doing an opportunity call for watch party hosts here soon, where we will be essentially lighting up your house with all the swag. So it'll feel like you're a part of the event um, and you will get to host people if you have the gift of hosting, which my husband absolutely does. Or maybe you know a friend who would be an epic host and you would just be the main stage speaker. You would get to share the stage with everyone who will be in person as well and have some backstage access to those speakers throughout the time. So there's a lot of information to learn about it. Um, but if you're listening now, that means that you have some way, shape, or form that you can interact with us through FounderCon. And I would love for you to be there in some way, shape, or form because your presence matters and you wouldn't be here now if it didn't. So God put us together and we cannot separate. I love you guys. See ya. Where are all my authors out or my wannabe authors, my wannabe best-selling authors, in fact? This can be you. And it doesn't have to look like my journey, which was a three-year writing journey and a multi-year understanding and unpacking the publishing industry and agents and Amazon and all the things that go into being an author that people don't think about. They just want to write the book, which I get. I, I want you to just write the book. But I want you to be equipped with the resources and the knowledge of what to do next so that the world can receive your message so that the world can learn from you because you are wise, my friend. I am certain of it. And what you have to share is rich, whether it's devotional, whether it's a children's book, whether it's a novel, whether it's a memoir, regardless of the genre, I want to equip you with the how-to and help you to stay accountable and execute. How do I do that? Well, besides having our publishing company, Fit Press, and giving you the resources to distribute it, not just on Amazon, but to the world in book format at bookstores. Yes, I love things that I can hold in person. Also, it's through a book writing retreat. 
It's to get you going. It's to get you in flow. It's to teach you the rhythm of a writer and to give you specific resources and training on how to keep moving the needle after you leave this two and a half day dynamic experience. It's a space that is open and vulnerable. It's a space where you have time to actually sit and write. You will get spoiled in the process because I think authors need just the right environment of relaxation and energy connected to that. So if you're interested in being a part of the book writing journey with us as a Fit Press company, we'd love to have you come. You can check it out on the website. But all of the details are there. It does not include flights, um, but it could include accommodations if it's something that you want to stay with us rather than staying in the comfort of your own space. I get it either way. Totally fine. But let's have a conversation. You can book a call on our site and our team will have a direct conversation about where you are in your writer's journey as well as where you want to be. The cool thing about our publishing house is that it doesn't take as long as most, and we can give you all the reasons why that is, Uh, but ultimately, I want you to have access to the rules, the regulations, the rhythms, and the outcome factor, which is you being that best-selling author that you really want to be, and I know it's with good intent and in humility that you want to have this experience and this exposure, so... No, no judgment here. I'm a three-time best-selling author and I love it. I want to say five. I want to say 10. I want to say like John Maxwell. I want to say I'm of 80K or 80, 80 books and counting, right? Whatever it be, we want you to be heard and read. Well read. All right. So let's do this. Bye. Let's get to writing. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.